Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heath Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the Metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. Because what we're going to deal with today is um, in life, a lot of times we have what we call our mountaintop experiences, where everything is going good and everything is going smooth and we happy, we we excited, we joyful, we thankful, you know, we're grateful, we, we're all the positive things in, in a mountaintop. Kind of like last weekend, you know, we had a, had a mountaintop experience. We had a mountaintop experience, but how many know that as life would have it, we can't always stay on the mountain? It's not always a matter of if, but most of the time a matter of when you have to come off the mountain. It's not that we don't want to be on the mountaintop. It's not that that's not even a place that God doesn't desire us to be, but, but as life would have it, we don't always get to stay. And as life would have it, a lot of times, after our mountaintop experiences, we experience the valley. It's when we reach the highest points of our life or highest points of our joy or highest points of, of, of what's going on at that moment in time, it's often time after that that the valley experience comes. So much so that a lot of times people will even speak it into their lives because I, I remember hearing at times, you know, uh, you know, it's, 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 things just too good right now. Something bound to happen. Waiting for the shoe to fall, the shoe to drop. You know, it, it's like we, we look for the valley experience while we're on the mountain. So we never truly enjoy the mountain because in the back of our mind, we thinking about the valley. But how many know that God is a God of the mountain and the valley? If we look at 1 Kings chapter 20, and I'm starting at verse 22. Now where I'm starting from is prior to this the people of Israel have just had a mountaintop experience. They've defeated the army of Syria, Benadad and, and his people or whatever, and they had really had a mountaintop experience. They had had a victorious battle. And how many times do we know that, you know, we can experience victory only to eventually walk into the valley? And we come into the story of verse 22, it says, then the prophet came near to the king of Israel and said to him, Come, strengthen yourself, and consider well what you have to do. 
For in the spring, the king of Syria will come against you. Now here it is, the prophet is coming to the king of Israel and telling them, get ready. Get ready. I, I know that you I know that you just won. I know that you, you you're, you're standing on top of the hill. I know that everything is going good. I know that I know that your kids are acting right. I know that the job just gave you a raise. I know that I know that that, that the that the people are liking you more. I, I know that things are just going right. I know that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. I, I know that the ducks are all lined up in a row. But get ready. But see, now that's the beautiful thing. It's not that, that the prophet is coming here with necessarily bad news. Some may look at it as bad news and saying, well, why are you prophesying this over my life? Why are you telling me to get ready that, that the king of Syria will come up against me? But how many know that, that, that God will always warn us before, before the onslaught? So where it may look like bad news is really good news because the prophet is telling him, come and strengthen yourself. And see, that's the good news because that means that, that we have time to strengthen ourselves. That means we have time to prepare. He says, consider what you got to do. Consider that you got to get ready because, because there's some things that are about to come upon your life that you got to get ready for. But if you strengthen yourself, if you consider what you got to do, then when it comes against you, you won't have to worry about it. But see what happens a lot of times in our valley experiences is that is that we end up we end up feeling so bad because it's like oh God here it go again. How many of you have? How many of any of us have have reached the mountaintop? We think we've overcome that thing only for it to come back again, only for it to kind of nip at us again. We we think we got rid of that that person out of our life, but but here they go again. They found our phone number. They found a new job where we work at. It's like I. Thought I got rid of that thing, but 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 it keep on calling me back. For some of us, that might even be a little, you know, a little piece of cake or donut. You know, I, I thought I thought I got over that thing, but but it's calling my name. I, I can hear it calling my name. I thought I defeated it, but but I, but but it seemed like it's still there. Like Paul said, it's like a thorn in my side. But the prophet says, strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself, strengthen yourself, and consider what it is that you have to do, meaning that you got to think about these things. Yes, yes, you're on the mountain right now. You just had a good time, and, and everything is going right, but you always got to keep your head on a swivel. You always got to be ready because the enemy is always what? Roaming, seeking whom, what he can devour. Don't ever get it twisted. We have an opposer. We have an adversary. We have an enemy. And he is real. And this is what the prophet of God is saying. So when you might look at it as bad news, he's really giving you good news because what if he said that, that, that there's nothing you can do when, when he comes? You just got to take it. No, he said strengthen yourself. So if he's telling you to strengthen yourself, that means it must be a way that you can do so. That means there must be somewhere that you can get that strength. And that means there must be something that you can think on to strengthen yourself and prepare for what's about to come. And in verse 23, we see the strategy and the setup from the enemy. It says, and the servants of the king of Syria said to him, their gods are gods of the hills or mountains. And so they were stronger than we. 
See, so that's how the enemy will talk. Oh, they, they think they bad because they at church. They, they think they going on, but 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 let them step outside those four walls. Oh, they oh, oh on your job, yeah, yeah. She thinks she got it going on because the manager like her, but but wait till she gets shifted to this other department. Then we gonna really see how it is. See, the enemy, the enemy say, yeah, the God will fight for you over here, but but let's get them over on our territory and see what they do. He says they're gods of gods of the hills, so they are stronger than we. He said, but let us fight against them in the plain, meaning in the valley, and surely we shall be stronger than they. See, that's what the enemy always wants you to do. The enemy wants to try to get you in his territory. He don't want to fight you where you where you know where all your... I remember my granddad used to tell me all the time, he said, boy, don't never let nobody beat you up at your house. That's right, that's right. Because at your house, you know where all the weapons are. Right. <laughs> you know where everything is. The, the knives, the rocks, the sticks, the guns, the, whatever you need, the pots, the pans, whatever you need. You the, no, no enemy should attack you at your house and be successful. And the enemy knows that. So he tries to pull you out of your house. What is the house of kingdom kids? The house of the kingdom kids is in the light of God, in the way of God. So the enemy will try to pull you back into the darkness. He'll pull you back in with dark thoughts, with, with dark desires, with, with dark friends, with, with dark temptations. And he'll try to pull you back on his side because he knows that if he can get you on that side, you might not be as strong as you were over there. He'll try to pull you off and around your friends who, who really doing something and got stuff going on about themselves and got business about by themselves, and he'll pull you over here with these folks. Yeah, it look like they having more fun. These folks over here lame. They ain't really doing nothing. They square. They they whatever the, 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 the lame term is for the new generation. They ain't got it going on. They not turn up. Whatever the case may be. And he'll pull you over here to the good time. Because he knows if he can get you over to the good time, you'll stay longer than you ever wanted to stay. And you'll go further down than you ever wanted to go. So he says, pull him over here. Pull him down to the valley because surely we'll be stronger then. And then in verse 24 he says, and, and do this. Remove the kings from each post and put commanders in their place. Put captains in their place. Meaning put somebody who, who is, who is uh, 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 skilled at fighting. See, this is what the enemy is telling you right here. This is how the enemy fights. He's not, he's saying, he's saying, no, well, I'm gonna put somebody skilled at fighting them. Skilled at fighting them. Well, what is the, what is the enemy doing? He's finding what's in you that, that may he can tempt you with. That's why David says, clean in me, God, make, make my heart new, clean and renew my heart. Because see, if the enemy can find anything in you that he can use, that's why he's sending the captains. He said, no, I don't want the kings to fight because the kings are not, not used to fighting. Send the commanders, put them in the place. And then in verse 25, it says, and muster an army like the army that you have lost. Horse for horse and chariot for chariot. He says, match them what they have, match them. Horse for horse, chariot for chariot, because you get ready to battle a kingdom child. See, so this is what the enemy is doing. He's trying to stir it up. He's setting up the scene so he thinks. He's setting up the location so he thinks. He's setting up the strategy so he thinks. That's why Peter tells us that we have to be, we have to be wise of the schemes of the enemy. But it says that Christ has come to do what? To, the, to, to destroy them all. To destroy the works of all the other enemy. But see, the enemy now here is trying to trying to lure them into the valley. 
It says, then when we fight against them in the plain, and surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to the voice and did so. And then in verse 26, it says, in the spring, Benadiah mustered the Syrians and went up to effect to fight against Israel. And the people of Israel were mustered and were provisioned and went against them. The people of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats, but the Syrians filled the country. Mm. Now this way I get real. Mm -hmm. Because the Syrian army has now gathered up thousands. Mm -hmm. So much so that they covered the countryside. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you looked, you saw their army. Everywhere you looked around, you saw the enemy coming from all sides. And it says here that the Israelites look like little, like two flocks of little goats. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you was outnumbered, where you was surrounded, where you was totally helpless? I don't know, I don't care if it was with people. I don't care if it was because your finances were surrounding you, you was totally helpless. Was it the pain in your body? Was it the people talking? What the situation where you feel like you outnumbered? That's how the Israelites felt that day. They, they, they had just come from a mountaintop experience. Now they find themselves sitting like, like, like two flocks of goats surrounded by the enemy, getting ready to be attacked. They had fought and won previously, but now the enemy is back. How many times do we defeat things only for the enemy to show back up? You win the battle over here, but then the enemy attack you over there. You win the battle, you win the battle fighting for yourself, but now he attacks your child. You, you win the battle on your job, but now he attacks your body. You, you win the battle with your finances, but now he start attacking your mind. It's like the enemy won't let you go. He, he want to stay fighting with you. No matter how many times you beat him. Because that's his job. We can't get mad at somebody doing their job. It just means that we have to stay on our job. Amen. But see, because it says that it says that the that they were sitting here outnumbered. Can you imagine the fear that, that gripped their hearts, the, the discouragement and the, the despair that, that filled their minds, the, the thoughts of giving up? You know somebody in the camp was like, let's just wave the flag. Let's just surrender. Let's just give up. Don't you see how many is around us? Everywhere I turn, I see, I see something around me that ain't right. I turn here and it's wrong. I turn here and it's wrong. The, the, the people are against me. The, 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 the church against me. The, the world against me. It's like I'm just outnumbered. My teachers against me. My job against me. My family against me. I, I just want to surrender. I just want to give up. But I come today to speak against the spirit, even the spirit of suicide that I hear. That that, that, that will be life. That I speak life right now, this day. That you shall not die. That you shall not surrender. That you shall not give up. But the power of God shall rest upon your life. No matter how much you are outnumbered. No matter how much is surrounding you. God is always with you in the midst. Yes. <coughs> and we bind that spirit right now in the name of Jesus. Because many times in our life we find ourselves in the midst of the valley. We get weak. We get tired. We get frustrated. We get empty. We feel alone. 
we feel so far from the presence and the anointing of God. And when we call on him, it seems like we get a busy signal. God, do you hear me? God, do you understand? God, where are you? Do you not see the enemy is around me everywhere I turn, north, south, east, west, and he, he, he's on me. God, I just, why did you even let me see and feel the mountaintop only to have me here? Why am I, why am I going through this? And see, it's nothing wrong with feeling that way, but it's, it's something wrong when you stay that way because we are human and, and, and that discouragement and that despair, that's what the enemy will use to try to, to, try to get at you, but, but we have to realize that, that even though the enemy is surrounded us. If you look in verse 27, it says, and the people of Israel were mustered, meaning they were gathered together. See, who you gathering with? Are you gathering with like minds? Are you gathering with people on one accord? It says in the word of God, where two or more come together, what? God is in the midst. It says that one can put a thousand to flight, but what? Two can put 10,000 to flight. That's exponential growth. That's multiplication. That's how you attack the enemy back. It says that they were mustered. And then it says, and were provisioned. Mm -hmm. See, you can't never miss that. They were provisioned, meaning that they had everything that they needed to fight this battle as well. But see, the enemy will get you to looking at everything that's going on around you instead of looking at what's in you. God says, I've already provisioned you for everything that you're getting ready to go through. What you've been through, what you're about to go through, and what you're coming out of. You've been provisioned, meaning you got enough, meaning you got the supplies that you need, meaning you got the resources that you need, meaning that you got everything you need to even get through this situation. But we look at the enemy. We look at the surrounding things. We look at the pain in our body instead of the provision of the promise of healing. We, we, look at the, we look at the pain or the lack of finances instead of the provision that says that he's our provider and he shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. We, we look at the pain of, of broken relationships instead of saying, instead of looking at the provision of the promise that he will never leave us and that he will never forsake us. See, we look at the pain, but we don't focus on the promise. The promise has already been provisioned. The promise was provisioned way back in the beginning when it says that I will raise up a seed that will strike the enemy's head. See, the promise is already there. The promise has already been planted, but the enemy will try to get you to look at the pain not realizing that if you turn the promise is right there. The promise is right there. We've already been provisioned. It says the people of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats, but the Syrians filled the country. Filled the country. Filled the country. See, the valley is a place of trials. The valley is a place of trial. You're going to go through some things. You're going you gonna to feel some things. I know that we all like to quote that scripture, Romans 8, 28, where it says that all things work together for the good of those that love Christ and are called according to his purpose. All things work together for the good. But nowhere in there does it say all things work together for your comforts. 
that all things work together for your understanding. For all things work together for the good to make you feel better. It, 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 see, see, all things, that means some of the uncomfortable things. That means some of the things that's going to stretch you. Some of the things that's going to pull you. Some of the things that may even break you down. Some of the things that may even tear you apart. Some of the things that may even bust you wide open. But it's all those things also that work together for the good. See, the, plate, the valley is a place of being stretched. Imagine Mary and Martha when Lazarus had died. Some of us have things that have died in our life. Imagine the valley experience they had when their very own brother had died and the one they knew named Jesus was late getting there. He didn't show up to after the fact. How many times did we felt like God just got here a little too late? God just should have showed up yesterday. And I would have needed you to come yesterday. Why are you here now? It ain't gonna do me no good. They already they already done fired me. They already done put me out. He already done left me. Well, God say they fired you because I needed you to leave that job for a better one. They put you out because I got something better for you. He left you because he wasn't the one I sent you. But see, we keep looking at what happened instead of what is and what's going to be. See, don't look at the pain of the past, but look at the promise of the future. Because the valley is a place of trials. The valley is a place of the trial. Turn, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Because the valley is a place of trial. We have trials. We have tribulations. 1 Peter chapter 4, look at verse 12. 1 Peter 4 and 12. It says, Beloved. So he's already telling you, I, I, I love you. This is, this is, I'm talking to somebody I love. I'm not talking to somebody I don't like. 1 Peter 4 12, beloved, do not be surprised. That's right, that's right. At the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. Why me, God? Why, 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 why I got to go through this? Why, God? But he's saying, beloved, do not, do not be surprised. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes. But he's, I like the part where he says, to test you. Ain't nothing like a test. You know the best part about a test? Promotion comes after the test. They do it in the natural. Amen? When you take when they, the schools, they take the standardized test. It is to see you, to, to, to promote you or the end of the year test or, or whatever the test in your grade or whatever. So, so that's why God he said, don't be surprised when the fiery trial comes, but use it as a test. Use it as a test to see what you really made of, who you really are. Use it as a test to check my provision. Use it as a test to check my promise. Yeah, the valley is a place of trial, but use it as a test to see who I am. Use it as a test to see who I am. And in verse 13 it says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Yes. When his glory is revealed. So he's saying right here, don't, don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't even be surprised. It, it, it's not a matter of if a lot of times about this valley experience. It, it's just a matter of, 
a matter of when. See, I mean, we had a valid experience, I mean, a mountain experience last week. We had a good time. Everybody was loving it. We, we you know, we celebrated and, and we thankful. And now a, a week later, we got one in the ER and then another one that comes to church in pain. See, the devil lives a lie. See, he wants us to look. He said, yeah, you, you had, you enjoy that mountain. That's the last time you go see one. The devil is a lie. Because see, what I know is that between the two mountains is the valley. So really, when I'm in the valley, that just means I'm what? Headed to the next mountain. That's what we're talking about. Why? Because the valley also is a place of assurance. The valley is a place of hope. The valley is a place where I can see God like never before. See, it ain't nothing like a crisis to see who Christ is. You get that one when you get home too. Ain't nothing like a crisis to see who Christ is. See, you won't know Christ as being a healer until you in pain. You won't know Christ as being a provider until you ain't got nothing. You won't know Christ is never forsaking you until you've been forsaken. See, it's when you go through something that you really know who God really is. He can reveal himself to who he really is, that he's the Lord, that he's the Savior, that he's the deliverer, that he's the provider, that he's the way maker, that he's the holy one, that he's the completion, that he's the beginning, that he's the end, that he's the author, that he's the finisher, that he is the alpha, that he is the omega. See, when you go through something, then you can understand fully who God is. It ain't nothing like a crisis to find out who Christ is. Christ is. The valley is a place of trial, but it also is a place of hope. A place of hope. Look at Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. I hope this is helping somebody in the house who may be going through a valley experience. Because, see, you might not be going through one right now, but one thing about the valley, you either going through, you either in, or you're getting ready to go. It is you one place or the other. You're coming out, going in, or sitting in. <laughs> so you might as well get your provision ready. You might as well get your provision ready because you're either going in, sitting in, or coming out. Either way. And if you're coming out, then you just tell folks how to come out. It, it was a place of trial, but it's also a place that I can see hope. Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. And let's look at verse, uh, verse 18. Isaiah 41, verse 18. Well, let's... Yeah, let's, let's um, Let's back up to 17. It says, when the poor and needy, Isaiah 41, verse 17. 41:17. it says, when the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. Sound like they lacking something, amen? Because you need water. We can survive with a whole lot of things, without food, without oil, without, without clothes and all that, but you need water to live, amen? He says, when the poor need to seek water, there is none, and their tongue is parched with thirst. He says, I, ah. Ah. Mm. Ah. Mm. the Lord will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. 
I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together, that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, and the Holy One of Israel has created it. And I said I with emphasis because that's God letting you know I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of this. Don't you worry about what you going through. Don't worry about what you got going on. Don't worry about what you feeling like. Don't worry about what you going through because I am going to take care of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And he says that in, in verse 18 says, I will open the rivers and the, on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. He said, I'm going to open it up in the valley. See, they, they, they thinking I'm the God of the mountain, but I'm going to show them that I can run through the valley. I can unleash my flow anywhere I want to. I can unleash my flow in the mountain. I can unleash my flow in the valley. Turn to Joel 3 and 18. Joel 3, 18. Because I'm finna show you how, how this valley thing works. See, we, we be scared of this other shoe dropping. We be scared of going through the valley. But see, when we know that God is right there also, when we know that God is already walking through the valley, yay, though I walk through the valley. Through. Through. See, see it, it, it's just a transition. It's just a transition. You ain't meant to stay there. The pain is just a transition. The, the rejection is just a transition. See, that's all it is. We look at it as a place to get stuck. Oh, they rejected me. Oh, my God. And we stand there 20, 20 years later still living off that same rejection that your mama and them did or your brother and them or whoever, your family, friend. We stand and live on that same rejection 20 years later. But the rejection was just for your transition because they might have rejected you because God was pushing you out. Just like he told Abraham, leave from your kin, because I got something better for you. See, sometimes it's the pain of leaving, but it's more, it's more, it is better to experience the pain of leaving than the suffering of staying. Yes, Joel chapter 3, verse 18, it says, and in that day. And in that day. No, I want to back up. 17. He says, so you shall know that I am the Lord your God who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. See, he's saying, I'm in the mountain. And Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never pass through it again. I'm putting up some gates around you. Everybody ain't going to just be able to run through it in and all over you. They're not going to be able to take advantage of your kind heart. They're not going to be able to take advantage of the fact that I thought you was a Christian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Verse 18, and in that day, the mountain shall drip sweet wine. And the hills shall flow with milk. And all the stream brands of Judah shall flow with water. And a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Satan. Did somebody catch that right there? Where the, where the, where the, where the water flowing from? Where is the water flowing from? Through the valley. Talk to me. Where the water flowing from? From the house of the Lord. Do we got to turn the water on? No, we got to turn. Do we have to pay for it? 
It comes free. Mm -hmm. Freely I give and freely you shall receive. He says that the fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord and water the valley. See, God says, even in the valley, I can reach you. Even in the valley, I can meet you. Even in the valley, I can greet you. Even in the valley, I can teach you. Even in the valley, I can get to you and make you know that I'm still God, that it's still flowing. He says, and from the mountaintop, I will drip sweet wine. From the hills, I shall flow with the milk. And he says, from the steam beds of Judah shall flow with water. See, we have to understand that God, even in the valley, is a place, even though it's a place of trial. That's why Paul got the understanding. He says that we may be perplexed. We may be, we may be, we may be busted. We may be pulled apart. He says, but, but we will never be destroyed because we have a hope. We have an assurance that there's a God that flows. There's a God that can never leave us or forsake us. There's a God that walks with us even from the mountain down into the valley. We're never alone. We're never alone. Look one more, Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 14. Genesis chapter 14. Yeah, you're getting a lot of scripture today. Might feel like Bible study, but guess what? That's all we got to stand on, amen? Because when you're going through the valley, the enemy don't care about what you feel like. See, the enemy going to respond to the word of God because he is what? Man should not live by bread alone, but by the word that proceedeth out of his mouth. And that word shall be what? The word of God, amen? Because in the word of God is our promise. The word of God is where we stand. It says that the enemy shall raise up like a flood, come in like a flood. What? but God shall raise up a standard. What is that standard? The standard is the word of God. Says that I don't care how everything is. This is the standard. This is how it's going to be. I don't care what was, but I'm coming to set a standard. Now you can operate any old kind of raggedy way you want to, but as far as me and my house, it's a standard. And that standard is the word of God. Amen. Genesis chapter 14. He says what right here in verse... Uh, Genesis 14, look at, look at verse 17. Genesis 14 and verse 17. Right before this, we got Abraham. He's just had his mountaintop experience and he's defeated a whole lot of armies. And it says in verse 17, after his return from the defeat of, of, of whatever that name is, don't even try to make me pronounce it. We're going to say shed. And the kings who were with him the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley. Did you catch that? There's two things that happened right there. It says that the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley. See, even though you in the valley, God says, oh, you ain't got to wait to come out. I come in there and get you. I come meet you where you're at. I come meet you where you is. I'm going to come right where you are. He says the king of Sodom went out, meaning he left where he was and said, I got somebody I got to go see. I got to come off my throne for a minute because I see one of my children in the valley. I see one of my children going through something and I know in my word, I said that my rod and my staff shall comfort them. They can't get no comfort while I'm sitting here. So let me go and meet them where they at. 
And then in verse 18, it says in Melchizedek, king of Salem. Salem means peace. Woo, Lord, meaning God will come down in the valley and bring you peace. He'll come down and put dominion and authority of peace over your life. It says in Melchizedek, king of Salem, bought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Walk God walking out into the valley. And I hope somebody caught that with the bread and the wine. He was coming out in the Abraham. He was coming out in the Abram, the king of peace. He said, here, I got something for you. Even in the valley. Even in what you're going through, even in they talking about you, even in the job tripping, even in your family not acting right, even in your money not coming together at the end of the month right, even in the pain in your body, even in the divorce, even in even in the even in the frustration, even in the depression, even in the even in the discouragement. I'm bringing something right there where you are. I'm coming to meet you with some bread and wine. I hope you already know what that is. That's a that's a that's a type or. Shadow, meaning that's a foretelling of the communion, the bread and wine. Because Christ said that what I am the bread, I am the bread, and of me you shall eat. He says, and this wine is like my blood, and you shall drink it. Amen. So he will bring him communion in the valley, meaning I'm coming into common union with your circumstance. That's why the word of God can say, There's nothing that has tempted man that he has not been through. Because God says, I'm in common union with you. I'm in the valley with you. I don't been through this with you. You don't think that I went through the valley when I was in the garden of Gethsemane, down on my knees praying. I was experiencing my valley. So I know what you're going through. I understand what you're going through. Do you not think I was in the valley when the enemy was tempting me with the rock saying, I know you're hungry. Turn the stone into bread. Do you not think that I wanted to eat too, but I had to stand on on the word of God. I had to stand on the promise of God because I know that these rocks was not my provision but the God of most high. He was my provider. I understand what you've been through. I understand what you're going through because I am the God of the valley. I am the God of the valley and I shall meet you with the peace and the communion of the bread and wine. And bless you. And bless you. And bless you. you. Blessing means, see, people think blessing stuff. Blessing stuff. Blessing is the enabling. Blessing is giving you the power. Blessing is meaning I'm connecting with you and I'm imparting something into you that you can do greater and that more greater and more than you ever thought that you could. It ain't got nothing to do with stuff. Stuff is a byproduct of the blessing. That's right. That's right. And he says he blessed Abram right there well in the valley. In the valley. In the valley. And I like because it was in the valley of the kings. So he was telling them, even though you're in the valley, That's right. you're still a king. Still a king. 
you're still the king. Ain't nobody take your throne just cause you in the valley right now. Can't nobody take your crown cause you in the valley right now. See, people get around you. Yeah, I thought God loved you. What's going on now? I thought everything, I thought you when you start going to church, now stuff happening. You start, you know, when hey, before you go to church, everything was going strange in life. Before you start reading words, done. But see, can't nobody take your crown because even in the valley, we still kings. We still kings. See, king, thank you, God. See, it don't matter. It don't matter about the position for a king. A king is a king no matter where he is because it's the authority of who he is. It's the dominion of what he oversees. It's, the, it's who he is. He is a king. The king comes, oh, thank you, God. Being a king comes through what? The blood. <laughs> You can't be a king unless you have the blood. That's right. Think about that. Catch that. Come on. Come with me. Come on. So we can get this revelation. Because it just dropped. This one fresh and hot. The, the, even in the natural. You can't be the king of England and all them places unless you in the bloodline. They got to be able to trace your blood all the way back. Well, guess what, people of God? We are kings because we in the bloodline. I can trace my blood all the way back to the blood of Calvary where he switched it all. I don't care what you was born like. He says you're being born again. You could have been born busted, but you're born again. You could have been born broke, but you're born again. You could have been born ugly, but you're born again. You could have been born not healed, but you're born again. You could have even been born gay if they say that, but you're born again. Because now you can trace your lineage back to the blood. Oh, that's good. That's real. Good. That's why we kings. That's right. So they can never take your crown. They can never take your crown. See, what the enemy wants you to think is this. That this is just a chair. See, in the world, get this. But the kingdom kids, we don't get this. I want you to get this in your valley, too. With the president of the United States which is kind of considered our king. Because mm -hmm. believe it or not, you can't become president unless you're in the bloodline, but that's another that's story. That's true, that's true. Because they all related, all, all, all of them. All of them. <laughs> but that's, that's another story. <laughs> that's another story. Mm -hmm. But when he steps forth on any airplane, uh -huh. what do they call that airplane? Air Force Air One. Air Force One. Now, see, a lot of people think that the original plane that he flies on from the Navy is the Air Force One. No, the plane is only named that because the president is aboard. He can go down to Atlanta Airport right now and get on a, a Delta plane, and that plane immediately, as soon as he steps foot across the threshold, becomes Air Force One because the president is on it. Well, the same thing with the king. To anybody else, this is just a chair. Mm -hmm. But see, when the king sits down on it, it becomes a throne. Mm -hmm. No matter what it look like, it ain't got to be fancy. It ain't got to have gold and jewels and all that. Because of my authority, because of who we are, because of our bloodline, yes. because of where we come from, even in the valley, you can take my little raggedy chair and put it in the valley. I'm still a king because I'm a king sitting on the throne in my authority and in my dominion and in my power of what God blessed me to have. See, your, your, your kingdom ain't got nothing to do with your position. Yes. 
is all about what you know to be true. Amen. So you got to get that. See, because the, the valley is a place of trial, but it's also a place of hope. But closing out, lastly, right here, the valley is a place of victory. I hope you get that, because that's where we headed to. The valley is a place of victory. See, we got to be like David. When David was down there, and he came to bring the little lunch snack down to, the, to his brothers who was fighting, and they had this big bad boy called a Goliath. He walking back and forth and cursing God and, and calling them out and all of hiding and scared, hiding behind rocks. Ooh, think about that. You read the scripture, they're talking about hiding behind rocks. How you gonna hide behind the rock? How you gonna hide behind the word of God? That means you gotta come out from behind that thing and say like David did, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is defiling my God? Yes. So you gotta talk to that enemy. Who do you think you are? This is my house. Yeah. And as far as my house, me and my house, we gonna serve the Lord. And you got to leave. You have no authority. You have no dominion. You have been evicted. Yes, don't be like the don't be like his brothers who was hiding and, and, and not knowing. Even Saul the king wouldn't even go out to fight. He had the best armor in the whole military, and he didn't even know where to be seen. But you got this little old shepherd boy. Yeah. They say a little ruddy boy. I mean, he looked dirty, wasn't put together right. Wasn't, wasn't, didn't have one comb, you know, didn't bathe all the time, stinking a little bit. He, he come to bring a lunch. All he was doing was to drop off some food, but he was getting ready to give him something better to eat. He was getting ready to show them that we are already victorious. See, it don't matter what you are. The king was hiding, but the real king was showing up. Showing up, David. Little boy named David. Yeah. In the valley. They was fearing. They was depressed. They was humiliated. They run up on Goliath. He take them out. But here come David. Here come David. Like, I, I don't get this. See, we got to be like David. Like, oh, wait, wait, hold, hold, hold up. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. What? What? Exactly. What? Help me out with it. Man, what are y'all doing? What's going on? Are you sitting over here crying? Thank you. Wipe your tears. Wipe your tears and get up and fight. Wipe your tears. Help me out here. Help me preach this thing. Because we got to get like him even in the valley. Because that's where they were. See, you got to declare the thing in the valley. See, you don't always get to scream from the mountaintop. Sometimes you got to scream from the valley, even on your knees in the valley, even laid out in the valley. See, you, everybody want to scream from the mountaintop, but sometimes you got to holler from the valley. You got to cry from the valley. You got to say, who is this uncircumcised yes. Philistine? Yes. Who is this man? Yes. And in our today's vernacular, I can imagine what he really would have said. Who is this Y'all know. <laughs> Who do you think he is? Who is it? You yeah. know. <laughs> Set it up. Stir it up. He done lost his absolute mind. Yeah. Coming up in. I mean, let's look at. Wait, it's in, it's in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. Yep. He says, let me see. Here we go. Verse 28. Let's look at verse 28. 1 Samuel 17. Are we finish Verse 1 Samuel 17. Verse 28. See, the valley is a place of trial, yes. But it's really to test you who you really are. See, it ain't nothing like hot water to reveal your true character. 
See, when coffee beans go into hot water, they turn the water into coffee. Mm -hmm. You'll catch that when you get home. And I'm gonna give you that one for free. What that mean is, the hot water ain't supposed to change you, you supposed to change, change it. it. By what's in you. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. It says, now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. This is after he done already told him. He's like, you know, who is this uncircumcised man? Now, let's read that part. Verse 26, 1 Samuel 17, 26. And it said, David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him the same way. So shall it be done to the man who kills him. So David like, well, what we get? What I get? That means that is reward for going against the enemy in the valley. That is recompense. Fancy religious word. Meaning you're going to get some stuff for going through what you're going through. You're going to come out better. Like, like some folks love to say, you know, the prophets run around, double for your trouble. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is... God, when he brings you out, you ain't coming out empty-handed. Amen. That's right. That's right. And so in verse 28, it says, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, this is the one who Samuel thought was supposed to be the king, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? She trying to chomp him out. Why you down here? But did you catch that? <laughs> Why have you come down? Down. I'm gonna say it again, sis, so we all can catch it. Down. Why have you come down. down? So then, logically, where was David before he came down? He was up. He was up in the mountaintops, experiencing God with his sheep, understanding what how God moves, how God operates. He said, so somebody got to come down in this valley and show these ignorant folks how it really is supposed to be. Somebody got to come down here and set order. Somebody got to come down here and set a standard. But then Eliab, just like most folks do, what you doing? You ain't, you can't do nothing. You don't know nothing. I remember you win. I remember when you used to smoke. I remember when you used to hold around. I remember when you used to turn up. I remember when you used to pop and all that stuff. I remember when you used to do all that. What you dying here for now? Who you think you? You can't help me, cousin. You badly can help yourself. Go back to your little sheep. Who who watching them? This this a man's thing over here. And, and he said he says he says I know you I know your presumption and the evil of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? What was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. He said, I, I, I like that because he turned. He said, you know what? I don't care what you're saying, bro. I'm going to say the same thing I said before. Who, who is this? Who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine who, de who defies the armies of the living God. Who is this? Okay, Eliab, you don't get it, but who is this? And, and what I get when I take him out. See, I like David because David said, what I'm going to get when I take him out? Not if. <laughs> he said, what, 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 what somebody get who kill him? 
Think about the boldness of that. David is probably, what, about 13, 14 years yeah. old. He said, well, what I get when I kill him? Not not ill for or all that. He's what I get when I kill him. See, that's the power and the boldness that we got to walk in. That's the power and the boldness that we got to bring from the mountaintop experience. So even when we go in the valley, we know that guess what? God is a God of the mountain and the valley. And we have victory. We have victory. We have victory. Turn lastly to First John chapter five. First John chapter five, because this is how we had a victory. First John chapter five. First John chapter five. Last one. First John chapter five. And look at verse uh, four. First John chapter five, verse four. It says, "For everyone." who has been born of God, remember we in the bloodline, mm -hmm. <coughs> overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. This is the victory. That's where the victory is. See, we don't pray for victory. We pray from victory from victory. He says, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Our faith. See, David walked down into that valley that day and he said, you know what? I know a God. I know a living God. I know a God that, that this, 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 even though this man is a giant, I know a God that is greater. God created this giant, so he must be a little bit bigger than him. And you know, it's, it's like my great say, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Drop them. And see, I can imagine when that rock bust him in the middle of his forehead. The cries that went out amongst the people because they saw the demonstration of the faith that David walked into the valley with. Yes. What am I saying? What you saying, Pastor? See, when you strike that enemy, your enemy, your Goliath, in his head, even in the midst of the valley, the people around you will say, oh my God, what is it that you have that allows you to even win in the valley. And you can say, my faith in the Son of the living God, Jesus, the Christ, the one who has overcome, the one who has won the victory, the one who has got up even after death, the one who has made a way the one who is the light, the one who is the way, the one who is the truth. I, I win in the valley because of that. I win in the valley because of what I believe. I am victorious because of what I believe. I am victorious because of who I am. Because see, faith is more than what you believe. Faith is what you are. Faith is what you are. Because it says faith is the evidence of things not seen. 
It's the substance of things hopeful. It's the it's who you are. It's who you are. We walk in this thing. It doesn't matter what's around you. It doesn't matter what's around you. And I like how what the, our, our, our foundation of scripture, I like how it closes out because in verse 28 of that scripture it says, and a man of God came near and said to the king of Israel, thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not a God of the valleys. Therefore, I will give all this great multitude into your hand and you shall know that I am. I am. Uh -uh. There you go. There you go. I don't even have to finish. There you go. There you go. Even though he says the Lord, uh -huh. but you can stop right there. He says, because they think yeah. 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 that I'm only here but not there, uh -huh. they gonna know that I am. They gonna know that I am. They are going to know that I am.